Good morning. You know, it's really important whether you're here, whether you're at home, that, that we profess our faith. You know, when we sing out, I believe, I believe in you. You know who listens to that probably more than anybody else is you. When you talk, you listen to you. God's listening to you. The enemy's listening to you. And, and just know that we need to profess, we need to proclaim who we believe in, who we have faith in. And I want you to know this. You're going to be tested on it. But I also want you to know that God believes in you. He has great faith in you and confidence in you that you are going to be what he has for you to be and do what he has for you to do. That is good news. God is so good. Well, you can turn and wave to somebody, wave to somebody in the, at home in the camera, and you can be seated. And if you choose to, you can take off your mask. You're welcome to do that. Wow. It's so good to worship God. Amen. You know, and, and one of the things that we need to really be aware of is we don't have to wait for Sunday. You know, worshiping God is an everyday occurrence. It should be. Because when we do, one of the things about worship is it helps shift our attention, our focus. When we begin to worship God, our, our attention and focus lift from our circumstances and situations to the one who is the answer to all of it. Amen. And all of a sudden, we, we get re, refilled, refreshed with the peace of God and, and the confidence that we have in God. And it's, it's so important. Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for tuning in to home. Uh, like Jeremy said, you had a choice. Not every day is it as hard a choice as today because some days it's raining out or snowing out. And you say, well, I'll go to church. Uh, but today there was a great opportunity and option. But thank you for being here. Uh, we've been, been learning about, I've been uh, starting on a series uh, about unity or oneness. Um, I have to tell you that this is a, a message that has been working in me. God's been working this in me for over a year. And um, I just felt so impressed by God that this is such a timely message. And I, I, I'm learning a lot, continuing to learn a lot, and desiring to... Uh, help us, help the body of Christ recognize the, the importance of unity. Because we all know, all of us as Christians, I, I believe, I'm hearing more and more from, from Christians all over, that there is this great expect, expectation, anticipation of revival. And we know by, by what the Bible tells us that in the days we're living in, that there's coming a revival. Before the return of the Lord, there's revival coming. And when we talk about revival, we're talking about uh, the body of Christ rising up in, in the power of God, uh, seeing God move through them, and multitudes, thousands upon thousands of people coming to the Lord. And whether you know it or not or, or are aware of it, it is already happening. It's happening all over the world. Uh, in the Middle East, we have people that we support all over the world in, in Israel and in India and in the Middle East and, and a variety of places in the Dominican Republic and Haiti. And this is happening. But please understand that you're not going to hear this stuff on the 6 o'clock news. It's highly unlikely you're going to hear much of anything from any of the uh, major uh, 
provisions that bring forth news because this isn't the news they care about. But God's still doing what he's doing. And it's happening even in the United States. There are people being saved, uh, and it's only going to get bigger and more intense. And we have the opportunity to be involved in what God's doing. God's always open to letting us be involved, but we choose whether we're going to be involved with what God's doing. And I personally, I've told God, I, I am so grateful that I live in the day I live in because in the Bible, the people that we read about, they look to the day that we live in. They long for this day. And it's a privilege, it's an honor, and it's an amazing opportunity for us to be able to be used by God in these days to see lives impacted for eternity. But that revival I shared with you uh, in weeks uh, past that revival requires something. Does anybody remember what revival requires? Unity. Revival requires unity. There has to be unity for revival to occur. It, it occurs first, unity, a Christian with God. We get reconnected in, in a very strong and vital and living way with God. And then we get connected with one another. And that unity will produce revival. And we, we've seen this. And we're going to look at this as a jumping off spot today. But, you know, when, when we talk about unity, um, people re unite over things that are similar similarities, what's common to them. And uh, what, what do people unite over? What, what draws people together? Food, okay, yeah, food, you know, foodies, it's, it's more prominent than ever before. When I asked that question in the first service, somebody said sports. And Jeremy's already talked about sports, he talked about baseball, and I talked about baseball in the first service. And I'm watching and I'm seeing more and more baseball on right now. And if two people kind of connect, they see each other and they start talking and they find out they're both baseball fans, that tends to draw them together. They get excited, they start to talk about it. But one of the things that happens is we may have some things in common, but what that common connection is will be short-lived when something of greater value in our life begins to be revealed. And so in the first service I said, you know, two, two people, they come together, they're great baseball fans, they start talking about baseball, and one of them starts to say, you know, I love the Boston Red Sox. Now, in the first service, there was somebody over here that said, yeah, which <laughs> that happened almost in the first service. I saw all sorts of looks. And so all of a sudden, these two people that have come together that are just enjoying each other, just really uh, connecting, and all of a sudden, the, the one opens up his mouth and says, I'm a Boston Red Sox fan. They're the best. And the other one, and in the first service, there was a young man over here. Uh, I said, the, the other person may say, well, I'm a Yankees fan. And this person over here was like, yes. And I know Mark is a big Yankees fan. There are some of you that are going, yeah, how could they possibly want the Red Sox to win? We want... But all of a sudden what happens is what united them, because there's a value that somebody places on one team over another team, there's a division. And it's just because of what they value, what they, what they, they choose over something else. And this is, this is what's happening all the time because uh, people, people value certain things, they start to come together, but then there's another value that sneaks in or, or is revealed, this is more important, and all of a sudden the division occurs. And it should never happen in the body of Christ. 
there should never be a division in the body of Christ. Because what we are connected by should never be exceeded by anything else. Our connection together is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation through Jesus Christ. That is the foundation and that is the cementing factor in, in our connection. We are connected be, because of Jesus. And yet, in, even in these days, we're seeing the body of Christ so divided. We live in a world that's so divided. And it's becoming more and more divided as time goes on because people are choosing what they're choosing. But we as Christians, we've already chosen. Hello? We've chosen that Jesus would be Lord of our lives. If Jesus is Lord of our lives, he's the ultimate in authority and in value in our lives. And anything else should be under that. But unfortunately what's happening is people are choosing to make other issues and always have. That's why we have the denominations in, in, in the church because somebody chose something that was more important than salvation through Jesus. It's still happening. There, there are people that think, you know, I, I, I believe in speaking in tongues and, and somebody says, well, I don't, so they divide. That's not a place for division in the kingdom of God because Jesus said a house divided or a city divided or a kingdom divided against itself, what? Will not stand. Another translation says, will be brought to desolation. When something is desolate, there's no life. And yet, how can the kingdom of God have no life? Because we choose what we choose to elevate over the foundation and, and the most important aspect of Christianity, that is Jesus Christ, salvation through Jesus Christ. Jesus is Lord. But all of a sudden, we, we lift up this doctrine or that doctrine, and not even that. We lift up this political party or that political party. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. When we do that, we're operating in deception because nothing is more important than salvation through Jesus Christ. But the moment we make something more important and it divides us, we're being deceived. And where there's deception, there's what? Loss. We've learned that over the time uh, in past messages that where there's deception, not recognizing what is true and the truth is Jesus is the foundation. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There's nothing more important than salvation through Jesus. But when we make something more important, then we're operating in deception, there's division, and there's loss. And it's time. It's time in the body of Christ that we stop allowing the enemy to deceive us into elevating things that are not that important. When we get to heaven, are there going to be Baptists and Pentecostals and Charismatics? That's right, Judy, there aren't. They're going to be Christians, people who have received Jesus Christ as Lord because none of that stuff matters. And if it doesn't matter there, why? Why do we make it matter here? Because we're deceived. And so we need to start letting go of a lot of the stuff that we are holding on to. Well, you know, 
No, you don't know. What we need to know is who's the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Jesus. Who is the, what is the only name under heaven by which men must be saved? Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And when we make it about something else, we are contributing to division, which is operating in a way that the enemy would want us to. And I, for one, I am, t- I am not going to allow the enemy to use me anymore as much as I can, can be aware of it. And I've asked Holy Spirit to help me. But that's why we, we read in, in previous weeks that the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, endeavor to keep, work to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Another translation says, make every effort. What does that leave out? So if I'm to make every effort to keep the unity that the Spirit of God has created in the bond of peace, all my efforts ought to be towards that. Make every effort towards this. And yet, this kind of slides on our, our scale of what's important, and it, it has to come to the forefront. We need to be aware of when we're operating in the unifying grace of God or the divisive work of the enemy. Because we need to see unity, because without unity, revival isn't going to happen. And I have to choose, you have to choose, we all have to choose whether we're going to operate in unity or elevate some things that are not that important to cause us to be divided. This morning we're going to look at at not only what, we know what revival requires, it requires unity. But what does unity require? We're going to see today what unity requires because it is a requirement. You can't have unity, not the way God intended, without this factor, this this substance, this way of living. And so uh, before we go there, we're just going to pray. So if you'd bow your heads, bow your heads at home and just invite God to speak to your hearts. God is here. God wants to impart things to you. And there's something for you here and at home that God has for you specifically and uniquely today to be able to help adjust your lives, our lives, to be more in line with him that more of what he has promised, prepared, and planned can begin to flow to us and through us to all those around us. Father, thank you for your presence here. Thank you for your presence with those at home. There's no place we can be that you aren't there. And Father, today we ask, you said we have not because we ask not, we ask you to speak to our lives, our, our situations and circumstances. Your truth, your word is truth, that it would help us be set free. We sang, break every bondage, break every chain. Father, today break the bondages and chains of traditions and wrong thinking in our lives that we would align with truth. Father, your word is life and health to those who find it. Thank you for healing us today. Here at home, whoever's listening, that your word would bring healing, health, life, and vitality. Father, thank you for your word that is a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet, that there would be illumination that would become revelation that would work in us transformation that we would go from glory to glory. Lord, we thank you for the work that you've begun in us that you are faithful to complete. As we work with you and a partner with you and submit to you and adjust to you, not looking for you to adjust to us. And so, Father, 
We, we expect change. Godly change. God-honoring change. World-changing change. We thank you, Father, for it. In Jesus' name, and everyone said. So, so this, this, this unity is so important because we're to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Make every effort to continue to make sure unity is continuing. Now, this is not just revealed in, in the words Jesus said that, you know, things divided won't stand, but in his prayer, the longest prayer that Jesus prayed recorded in the scriptures in John chapter 17. We looked at this last week, but we're just going to glance back at one verse in this. The whole chapter is a prayer of Jesus's. And he prays for himself. He prays for his disciples there with him at the time. And he prays for all of us, all of us who would believe. So he's praying for you and me for you at home, for, for us everywhere that are believers in Jesus Christ. In verse 21, John chapter 17, it says this. Jesus says, I pray that they, speaking about you here, you at home, they would be, they will all be one. It doesn't leave anybody out. Everybody here, God wants connected. Everybody here, God wants connected. And if God wants everybody here connected, what do you think the enemy wants? Yeah, everybody here disconnected. He doesn't care if you come to church, you sit here or you watch online, just don't connect. Because you can sit among strangers. But God has never intended anyone to be estranged from anyone else in the body of Christ. And yet we're so different, so diverse. We looked at that last week, that God has designed unity in diversity. That's what he expects because the world can't do that. Because when the world is looking for unity, they settle for uniformity. We're going to be like each other. But God says, no, I don't want you like anybody else. I made you uniquely. I'm looking at you and I don't see anybody that looks like anybody else. And even if I did, you're still unique and God wanted just one of you. And we all need the one that you are. And we found out last week, even when we look at those that we think we don't need, we need them more than we realize. We need everyone because that's the way God put us together. But that we would be one. We all would be one just as. This is, this is mind-blowing. Just as what? Just as Jesus said, I, you and I, Father, you and I are one. Is there anything closer than the Father and the Son? Equally as close as the Father and the Son's connection is the Spirit and the Father and the Spirit, Holy Spirit and the Son. And this, this is perfect unity. And this is what God's calling us to. This is what Jesus prayed for and Jesus' prayers get answered. I want to be part of the answer to his prayer. Do you? Because if you do, we all have to change. We have to make some adjustments because currently we're not as connected, as united as the Father and the Son, and yet that's God's goal. So we need some adjustment. He goes on to say, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, that they may be one in us, and this is why, so that. 
This is the goal of unity. The world will believe you sent me. The world will believe in Jesus. They'll recognize who he is. He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. He's the one that died on the cross for our sins. But that's what unity does. So if we're not united, they're not going to know. Is that fair to say? And no wonder the enemy is operating so uh, so much, so deceptively to get us to divide over the most simple things. Because his goal is that they would never know who he is. And God's goal in our uniting is that everyone would know who Jesus is. So if that's, that's the case, how do we do this? How do we, how do we unite? Well, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 and 16, give us some insight, some indication and understanding in it. Uh, it says this, verse 15, and this is the Apostle Paul writing to the Christians in the city of Ephesus, which was a very worldly, ungodly city. He said, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes the body to grow, body for the, edif the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So looking back at this, we see portions of what this is going to require. It says, but speaking the truth in love. Now you have to understand that both of those have to be connected because either one alone won't do the job, but God is both. Is God love? Is God truth? Yeah, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And 1 John says God is love. But I want to read two quotes to you. One from uh, a great Bible scholar, Warren Wearsby, who said, truth without love is brutality. How many of you know that's true? Sometimes people can share truth with you and it just tears you up. That's not what truth is ever intended to do. It's to wake you up but not tear you up. And love without truth is hypocrisy. Now we get a little more insight from a man by the name of Timothy Keller who, who this quote comes from. Love without truth is sentimentality. It supports and affirms, but it keeps us in denial about our flaws. Truth without love is harshness. It gives us information in such a way that we can't really hear it. Both of, those, both of those quotes are so true, and that's why we have to have them both. We've got to share the truth because of what the truth does, but we've got to do it in love because without love, no matter what we do, it amounts to nothing. That's what 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 through 3 tells us. Anything without love amounts to nothing. And so this is telling us we have to speak the truth in love. And what it does is it causes us to grow up in Christ. And that's what needs to happen. We're always growing. We're always progressing. We're going from glory to glory. We're becoming more and more mature. Nobody is born mature. Contrary to what people think. <laughs> but we grow. We grow in his grace, the Bible says, and in his knowledge. There's a development up uh, along the Christian path 
that we continue to mature. We're, we're, we're doing that. Uh, from whom the body is joined and knit together, Christ. By what every joint supplies. Every joint. Look at a joint in your, your body somewhere. It's a place of movement. There is movement there. There's something that can be produced at that joint that can't be produced necessarily in other joints. But it's where two things are joined. That's the connections we have in the body of Christ. Those are joints. And, and they're able to produce something greater than what they can on their own. It's a synergy. And so it says, by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working, not just working. Well, I'm working. Are you working effectively? Are you working according to God's grace and God's plan? Or are you just doing your own thing? Because, you know, we've got this, this idea as Americans that, that action is productive. Not all action is productive. Activity isn't productivity. Sometimes we're just spinning our wheels. Sometimes we're just wasting our resources, our time. And we need to be aligned with God to have the greatest impact that we can have because God, with God, all things are possible. It goes on to say, by which every part does its share and it causes the growth of the body for the edifying or the building up of itself in what? In love, in, could I say in God? Yeah, because God is love. Building itself up in God, in love. And so when the body is being built up in love, in God, when people are seeing us connected and interacting, all of a sudden they're seeing us. But what are they really seeing? They're seeing God. That's the goal here. We're supposed to be witnesses. We're supposed to be showing a world that doesn't know and hasn't seen God, a God who lives big in us and especially in our connections with each other. Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples. They'll not be able to deny that you're my disciples by your love one for another. But the enemy's trying to divide us. Cause us not to walk in this love. And this is, this is what's critical, that we would, we would be built up and walking in this love. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, shows us why this is so important. It says this in three different translations, but we're going to start from the top down in the New King James. It says, but above all these things. Now, when it's talking about that, it's referring back to the preceding scriptures. And we're going to get to those, but we won't get to those today. Above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of what? Perfection. It's, isn't that what Jesus said? I'm praying that they'll be one as you and I are one. That perfect bond that the Father, Father and the Son have, the Son and the Spirit has, the Father and Holy Spirit has, that bond of perfection, how does it happen? We put on love. Oh, you know, Pastor, you talk a lot about love, and I've heard that before. I know the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, I can quote it. I don't care whether you can quote it. Are you doing it? Because I'm telling you, God calls me up short sometimes because he loves me. And because he loves my wife and he loves all the people I'm, I'm interacting with. And, and he'll, he'll let me know, you know a lot of scripture. What are you doing with the scripture you know? Because there's some of this scripture you know, you quote, you, you counsel, but are you doing it? Now, God may not talk to you that way, but it's okay with me because I know he loves me and he's just trying to wake me up. 
to the deception that I am bringing on myself? What do you mean? The Bible says if you're a hearer and not a doer of the word, you deceive your own selves. Where there's deception, there is loss. And all of a sudden, I'm losing, and when I lose, my wife loses, my family loses, my friends lose, my church family loses. And who's behind that loss? The enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And before I know it, he's working in my life because I'm deceived. I have to put to practice the word that, that I know. The bigger the gap between what I know and what I do is where the enemy operates. That's not just in my life. It's in all of our lives. On to the New Living Translation. It says, above all. So if it's above all, is there anything above it? No. I, I, I know. I ask these very obvious questions and I do it because it's important that we really get this down. Nothing is above this. Above all things. We can't lift another thing up and say, but... There's no buts. Watch your buts. Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Clothe yourself in love because what does it do? It connects us in perfect harmony. When I say harmony, what, what comes to mind? Music, right? Well, I hope it is. That's where my mind goes. Maybe I'm off in left field, but to music. And so if it's harmony, is it everybody playing the same note in the same key at the same time? No, that's not harmony. Harmony intends in that different notes are played at the same time that brings a fullness and adds to each other so there is more than there was in just one. It's the same thing with the body of Christ. When we harmonize, we're all different. God celebrates your difference. God wanted you to be different. Not weird, different. <laughs> all right? But in that difference, we're all adding to each other. They're seeing this connectedness and saying, man, how can, how can this guy in the front... Connect with this guy here, and they make wonderful harmony. Look at this guy. He's amazingly handsome. Look at this guy. We won't go there. But, but what they're seeing is, oh, my gosh, look at this. We don't do this. We wait to find somebody that looks like us, that acts like us, that thinks like us, that talks like us. And then we'll, we'll harmonize because we're all on the same page. Anybody can do that. It takes nothing to agree with somebody that thinks the way you think. That does what you do. That sees things the way you see them. That's nothing. But when people are really different and they harmonize, that's supernatural. It's supernatural. Because inevitably where people connect and start to harmonize, somebody brings something of more value and says, hey, I'm out of here. I don't agree with you. And all of a sudden it's like, eee! 
They shouldn't be hearing that from the body of Christ, and yet they are. And it's time for that to end. Time for that to end. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect unity. We're to do what with love? Open book. Need your help. What's the word? Clothe. When, when you hear the word clothe, if you're going to clothe yourself, what do you have to do? I just want you to know this morning, I don't know about you at home, but I can only tell about these folks here. You've passed the test. There was a test this morning. And, and you're wearing clothes. Thank you for wearing clothes here. I appreciate it. But, but what happens if you're going to clothe yourself? What's the process you go through? Don't you have to decide what you're going to wear first? You know, when, when a woman goes into her closet and, and she says, I don't have anything to wear. She says, I don't have anything new to wear. If a man goes to his closet and says, I don't have anything to wear, it's because he doesn't have anything clean to wear. <laughs> but when you clothe yourself, you have to choose what you're going to choose. And, and you have to do that out of a variety of reasons. Why do people clothe themselves or dress the way they dress? They dress for success, right? Some people, they dress to impress. What's another reason why people dress the way they do? Comfort, they dress for comfort. But I'm going to tell you, those three are all good, but there's something more important than success, impress, and comfort. You all came the way you did today, and you guys are at home. You, you, I don't know what you're doing. But if it was different outside, if it was snowing outside, would you have changed how you, what you wore? Some of you are like, no, I'm tough. <laughs> yeah, you, because of what you're going to face what you're going to be surrounded by, what you're going to grow th go through. And I'm telling you right now, as a Christian, we need to dress being very aware of the environment of the world that we live in. And this says we're supposed to clothe ourselves with love. Now, we have to choose. Then what has to happen? Oh, come on, you guys. Let me give you a word picture. All right, here you are laying in bed. And when you got up this morning, you say, okay, let's go. Did the clothes just fly out of the closet on you? No, you went through the process of figuring out what you were going to wear. Then you had to put it on. Folks, I'm telling you right now, it's not just going to fly out of heaven. You've got to put it on. You've got to choose what you're going to put on every day. And then you have to put it on and you got to keep it on. I was, I was, I was praying and studying and just kind of going through this and, and I don't want to necessarily put this back on God, but this thought came to mind about when I, Debbie and I were going to college, there was a big thing on college campuses. This was a long time ago. You know, they just invented the wheel. And, uh, and, and so there was a, a, a fad that went through colleges, college campuses, and it was streaking. Some of you are like, you're going to talk about that today? Yes, I'm going to talk about that today. Aren't you glad you're here? Aren't you glad you tuned in? When on the campus that Debbie and I were at, that's where I met my wife, 
Uh, the streaking was huge. And people would get together and they would determine they were going to run through campus, sometimes through buildings, sometimes through classrooms, sometimes through the cafeteria. Crazy people. And they would all get together, they'd take off their clothes, they'd put on little hoods or ski masks, and they'd take off. And we would, I, I, one day I was on campus, the campus wasn't real big, and I heard all this screaming coming from up the road. And I looked up the road, and there was this mass of naked humanity coming down the road. And I happened to turn away from that and saw at the other end of the road, one of the campus security cars coming up the road. All of a sudden, the streakers saw the security car and they scattered. Unfortunately, for the ones that went one direction, they had to go through a hedge. Exactly. Now, I tell you that story because how many, I'm not even going to ask this for you to respond. But how many of you think it's a great idea to streak? But I'm going to tell you something, okay? Are you ready for this? Some of you are streaking. Spiritually, you don't have your clothes on. And you're in an environment that is dangerous, that is damaging. And if you don't have the clothes that God has for you to wear, you're in serious trouble. Which doesn't just put you in serious trouble, it puts all the people that you know in serious trouble. Because you know as well as I do, when you get injured, it affects other people. And that's where we need to clothe ourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Now the ERV, the easy to read version, says this. Together with these things, again, referring to what precedes in the preceding verses, the most important part of your new life, the exact same thing we heard before, the exact same thing we heard before about how important this is, is to love each other. Love is what holds what? Everything. Love holds everything. How? Together. Holds everything together. This is what holds us together. This is what holds us together. This is what unites us. And it goes on to say, in perfect unity. In the same unity that the Father and the Son are united is what love will do when we put it on. But how many of you know that sometimes there are things trying to pull at you and pull things off you that God's given you? The enemy is trying to pull this love out of you that, that you won't walk in it. You won't consider it. You won't give yourself to it. And I won't give myself to it so that when we're not putting this on, clothing ourselves with this love, we're not being held together in this perfect unity. And if we don't have this unity, we won't be a part of the revival. God's going to have revival, but we won't be a part of it because we're not connected with God and one another in love. 
And so what's at risk is all the people that we know. God's going to have revival. Thousands upon thousands, hundreds of thousands of people are going to be saved before the return of the Lord, which is so close. And yet, if I don't, if I don't choose to put on love, if I don't choose to live God's love, and I have to tell you, that was the first message I ever preached to an adult audience. I was a youth pastor in, in Mississippi before we moved here. But they, they had me preach in the adult service, and I preached a message, live your love. I have the only existing cassette tape of that. And no, you're never going to hear it. I did my best. It was a great subject, but it was kind of shaky on the delivery. Thank God he didn't give up on me. And thank God others like you didn't give up on me. And God's continued to help me to grow. But, but we've got to live this love. Because if we don't, what's at risk is the people that we know, the people that we're supposed to be witnesses to, the people that need to see Jesus in our lives are not going to see him the way God intended. Now, that doesn't mean they're not going to see him. They'll see him through somebody else. But don't you want to be part of the answer to bringing your family, your friends, the people you work with to Christ? Then it requires you and me to put away other things and put on love. To choose, just like I choose clothes every morning, to choose to walk in this love, to put it on, to not let anything take it off me and to allow it to have the effect in my life that God intended it to have. And, and that's where, what, what, what's the effect? What, how does this affect? Well, we're going to look in, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. We're going to see one of the monumental things that having love in our life, living by the love of God, does. And how it keeps unity. Again, this is Peter. Remember Peter? Peter was the one that would always be kind of in the forefront talking about things and end up with his foot in his mouth. He was one who knew what it meant to have people love him in spite of him. I know what that's like. And I'm so grateful for all the people that have loved me in spite of me. That have chosen to love me even when I was not easily loved. I know it's hard for you to imagine that. but Most important of all, so there's nothing above this. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. Now, we're supposed to show love to who? Who's the first one? When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord God with all. And we don't have to fill in anything because if it says all, nothing's left out. With all. And he said the second is like it to love your neighbor as yourself. So we're supposed to love God. We're supposed to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're supposed to love our enemies. We're supposed to love those that are opposed to God. We're supposed to love our neighbors. We're, there's nobody we're not supposed to love. But this goes on to say deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Now, I have, to, I have to confess to you, I've read this for years. And I was okay with the first part. Most important of all, continue to show deep love to each other. I get that. 
But I will honestly tell you that I, I just kind of skimmed over the rest of it. Love covers a multitude of sin. I didn't really understand it. I didn't really study it out uh, until about a year ago. And when it says love covers a multitude of sin, I thought, that I don't, I, this just doesn't sit right with me. When I, when I would read it, it was like, is this a cover-up? God's just saying you just push it to the side, you cover it up, you don't deal with it. No. Human cover-ups are where you don't want to address something, where you don't want anybody else to know about it. You don't want to acknowledge it. You just want to kind of move on. How many of you know when, when things happen badly to you, it's tough to just move on? Yeah, it's, it's tough. You've got, to, you've got to face the issues. But how you face them is incredibly important. And so when this says love covers a multitude of sin, it's talking about not your sin, it's talking about somebody else's sin against you. How many of you know there are multitudes of people that have done things to you that are not what God would have done to you? And how many of you know there are a multitude of things you've done to people that God would not have you to do to people? Because whatever we do to anyone, God considers it as to a believer, it's done to him. That's what he said to the Apostle Paul when he addressed him as Saul. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he had persecuted the church and God said, that's me. And when we recognize that our brothers and sisters, what we do to them, we do to God Jesus said, if you've done it for the least of these, you've done it unto me. This is a really serious thing, and we need to take it seriously and consider what we're doing to our brothers and sisters in Christ. But right here it says, love covers a multitude of sin. This is so important that we get. This word covers is the word kalupto. Probably didn't pronounce it right. You're not going to look it up probably anyways, but I just thought I'd give it a shot. And it's not about ignoring or stuffing the sins that other people have done to us. What it is about, it actually means to wrap around. And, and the definition gives an example of bark to a tree. What does bark do for a tree? Yeah, it protects it, but it also grows, right? And, and so the, it, there's more coverage than ever before. It, this word means to envelop or to place in or to surround. Another, another part of the definition that I read was it, it has uh, an idea of plastering. And, and when, when it talked about plastering, it was talking about when you break a bone, what do they do with it? They set it or they put a cast on it, right? It used to be the casts were plastered. Now they're fiberglass and all sorts of colors. Back when, when I was growing up, they had plaster casts. And if you were going to have color on it like I wanted, your mom would paint the cast. I had two full-leg casts. And the top were blue, a field of blue with white stars and red and white stripes. But it took my mom all sorts of time to have to do that. Now you can get them whatever color you want. This is amazing. But why? Why did they plaster? Why did they cast something? Because it, it was injured, it kept that injury from becoming worse, right? Number one. And number two, it gave it the best environment for healing. So that it could grow strong and healthy again. Same thing here. 
Love covers. Love envelops. Another example that, that is so apropos for this is what oysters do. How many of you are impressed with oysters? <laughs> Tommy, you're like, I love them. <laughs> it had to be some seriously hungry person that ate the first oyster. But, but oysters, oysters when they, and, and I, th I believe clams do too, but oysters when they have something that irritates or injures them comes into their sensitive, tender portion of what they are. All of a sudden, they begin to secrete this liquid that begins to envelop this irritation or this which injures and continues over time to put another layer and another layer and another layer and another layer. But initially, this irritation or this thing that injures it, they put a layer over it and it's still irritating until they put enough layers over it that it's no longer irritating. It's absolutely smooth. And what is it? A pearl. And what is a pearl to us? It's one of the precious, we call it a precious stone, which it's not a stone. It's one of the, the only precious stones, so-called, that is not made in the earth. It's created by an animal because of an injury or an irritation. And if an unimpressive oyster can do it, shouldn't we as God's people be able to do that? And that's what it says, love covers a multitude of sin. Somebody injures you. Somebody sins against you. And it's, it's not an automatic because when somebody injures us or sins against us, what's our natural response? I know we're in church. Oh, I pray. Come on. Gee. You know, somebody does something to me and I'm all... Yes, I am human. But what we have to do is not rely on our natural response to just give back what we got. Because when we sow, we reap. Right? And if I sow what I just got, am I going to be uniting or dividing? Dividing. And so I am effectively being used by the enemy to foster what he wants in the body of Christ instead of fulfilling as part of the answer of Jesus' prayer that we would be one. I have to choose something other than what I normally choose. I have to be intentional. I have to pause. I have to stop and say, no, 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 no. I, I went, before I left the house, I put on that clothing of love. And God has, has flooded my heart with love. Do you know as a Christian that the Spirit of God all the time is ready to overflow you with his love? Just like the, the oyster overflows that irritation, it's got to have something to be able to bring to envelop it. God has given you his spirit. His spirit in you gives you his love. And you and I either choose to give place to the love of God or we choose to give place to our flesh 
And the Bible says if you sow to the flesh, you reap destruction. Or you sow to the Spirit and you reap everlasting life. And so in this moment, I, I have to choose to allow love to begin to just coat this. Begin to smooth this off. Begin to turn this into something precious. And isn't that what God said he'd do? He said he'd work all things for good. But he's not going to do it exclusive without your participation. This is where you and I get to participate with God. And when, when this is all said and done, what we see, what the people around us see is this pearl, this treasure. And I'm going to tell you something. Weeks ago, I, I said in the service that Debbie and I had been away and we had experienced a miracle blessing from God. Such a tremendous gift. Very few families ever experience. And I'm going to be sharing that with you next week because we're going to talk about what it means to put on love, to walk in love, to let love cover a multitude of sins because we say, oh yeah, I know love, I know love, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but how, does it, how does it actually flow from us? How do we live in it? How do we walk in it what do we what do we what characterizes somebody who is clothed with love who allows love to cover a multitude of sins we're going to see this in the upcoming weeks because church we have to learn this and not just learn it so we can regurgitate it we can talk about it so that we can live it because when the world sees these pearls that we have allowed God to help us produce in our lives out of the injury and irritations of life, they're going to be running towards Jesus. Because without love, there is no unity. Without unity, there is no revival. But when God's people walk in his love and unite the way love unites, Revival will happen, and nothing can stop it. Amen? Like every head bowed, every eye closed. But it starts with that, that the key is we have to unite with God. We have to reconnect with God because without him, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. This is a supernatural love. This love isn't, okay, I love you until you do something to me. This love's in spite of what anyone does. It's not dependent. It's unconditional. And God has loved us with an unconditional love. The Bible says God loved us when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. God loved us when we were enemies of the cross. And, and today I want you to know God loves you whether you know him or not, whether you love him or care about him or not, even if you hate him, he still loves you. But I, I want you to know the love of God, to know the supernatural life that God brings when you connect with him. It's like plugging a cord into the source of the power. When you reconnect with him, there is a life that begins to be yours that has never and could never be yours before. But it's your choice.
And today I'm going to offer you the opportunity to pray and, and give your life to the Lord. Plug into God. Receive God's forgiveness and receive the life he has for you so that you can begin to grow in this abundant life. And I would just invite you to pray this prayer with me. I'm going to ask everybody to pray together. So let's pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son Jesus who came to earth, lived a sinless life, died on the cross to pay the price for my sin and was raised victorious and glorious. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn to you. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Guide me. Guard me. Govern me. From this day forward, I am yours. You are my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer, please let somebody know. If you're here in, in the sanctuary, let somebody know before you leave so that they can rejoice with you. If you prayed online, uh, we want to be able to pray for you. We want to be able to rejoice with you. We want to be able to encourage you. So if you'd let us know, if you want us to contact you, give us your name. Go to Resurrection Life or reslifeny.org, our website. Scroll down to where the prayer requests are. And, and give us whatever information you feel comfortable giving us. We'll be praying for you. We'll be uh, connecting with you if you give us the opportunity because God wants us connected. You know, the only thing that wasn't good in all of creation was that man was isolated. He was an individual, alone and isolated. God still sees that isolation as the worst thing any of us can experience because God created us to be a family. Amen? Would you stand? If you'd put your mask back on. There are going to be all sorts of opportunities this week for you to experience God, to see God, to work with God, to allow God to work in you and through you, to impact the people around you. Please, everybody look at me. You at home, look at me. No streakers, okay? Get dressed. When you're putting on your natural clothes, put on love. And then let God do the mighty work he's going to do in you and through you to all those around you. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for each one of your children here, those that are uh, connected and tuned in today. Father, thank you for your presence being with them, your spirit living in them, you guiding them as they are led by your spirit and flooded with your love. Father, no matter what we encounter this week, you're with us and for us. There is nothing that can stand against us as we stand in your love, connected with you and connected with one another. Father, we want to see our, our city saved. We want to see our neighborhood saved, our neighbors saved, our families saved. We, we want to see our state in revival and our country in revival and our world in revival. So, Father, begin it with us. And we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said... Have a great week. Follow the ushers as they...